0: morning. It's so good to be with you. My name is Brian and I'm on staff here. I get to preach a lot here at Highland Park. And we're going through this tough question series. And last week, we did part one of a two part series within this tough question series. Uh, and the question we're asking is what do I do when I've been wounded by somebody? Uh, and last week, we talked about the story of Joseph from Genesis 50. And uh, he's been wounded, I would say just a little bit, by his brothers who sold him into slavery. And yet he forgave them. And somehow we see that Joseph lived this life without all of this bitterness and anger and rage that so often we live with ourselves. And God wants your heart to be okay and to be healed from the wounds. And that's really what we talked about last week. But God doesn't only want your heart to be healed. His greatest desire is for you to be restored into a relationship with the person, even the person who wounded you. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, and I know that there's some times when that's not possible. Maybe that person's not even alive who wounded you. Maybe that person, um, it would not be safe for you uh, to try to, you know, restore to some abusive relationship and such, and I know that there's, there's some of those situations out there that are very real, uh, and those aren't going to be the ones that we really focus on today. We're going to really talk about when you've been wounded, and there is some way that It would be healthy and good for you and for them and for the rest of the world, and certainly for the church, for you to be restored in that relationship. You know, um, Joseph had this uh, opportunity, this amazing chance to be restored, to be brought back together with his brothers. And I think he learned that from somewhere. I actually think he learned it from his dad. His dad's name was Jacob. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Isaac and Rebecca did. And Jacob was born, but he wasn't born alone. He was a twin. Any twins here? I know we have a few. All right, yay for the twins. So he was uh, a twin, but he and his brother Esau did not get along. You know how much they did not get along? They were fighting when they were still in their mom's tummy. That's what the Bible tells us. It was like a cage fight. No one could get away. You know, they're like just trapped right there. You know, left, right, left, right, kick, all of that stuff. I feel so bad for their mom who had to endure that nine months of the twins fighting. And when they're born, uh, Esau is kind of like this macho hunter guy, and he's dad's favorite. And Jacob is mom's favorite. Do you see we've got some problems already happening here in this family? And uh Esau and Jacob don't really like each other. They've got this rivalry going on. Because Esau is born first, there's some things that belong to him. But his mom helps Jacob get those things, a blessing and birthright. And um, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But what you need to know is that Jacob was sneaky to take what was Esau's. And his mom even helped him do it. So how do you think Esau feels about his twin brother, Jacob? The relationship is bad. In fact, the Bible says he held this grudge against him, and he wanted to kill Jacob. That's how bad it was. And so Jacob does what any sensible person does who's about to be killed. He runs away, <laughs> a long ways away. He gets out of ta- gets out of town. and I think that was the smartest thing for him to do at that time, because he had wronged his brother and done this terrible thing. And so they were apart for at least 20 years not just relationally apart, but like geographically, they were in different places for over 20 years of this grudge and this bitterness and all this stuff. And sometimes when we look at two people, we see one person like way over here and one person way over there. And we see all of this stuff like stealing and cheating and being mean and all of this stuff that is in between the two of them. We think, how in the world could those two people ever be brought together and be brothers again, be friends again, whatever the relationship might be. And do not you know it, that the Bible has an answer for us. The Bible says, here's how you do it. And so by the time you leave today, here's my goal, that you will have five things, five steps in your head and in your heart that you can do that if you and the other person both take these five steps, Your relationship will be restored. It's not easy. It's difficult. Not very many people are doing this. But there are those five steps out there. And we're gonna look at the story of Jacob and Esau, but the main text that we're gonna look at is Ephesians chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, turn over there to Ephesians chapter four. And I'm going to go ahead and begin reading here. Paul has just said to put off your old way of life, and he's describing this new way of life. And so, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 25, thinking about two people who used to be very far apart. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk. So this morning, in order to help you not only hear this, not only to memorize it in your brain, but to kind of see how it even works, I've asked a couple people to help me. So if, if Aiden and Peyton can come on up here, they're going to help me out and just kind of walk through some things so you can kind of visually imagine this. So, so Hayden, if you can stand, I'm actually going to have you stand about right here, right about there. And Peyton is going to be over here. So... Hayden and Peyton aren't actually twins like Esau and Jacob. They haven't been fighting since birth or anything like that, but they're going to kind of play the part. Just imagine two people who have all of this hatred and anger towards each other, and when you look at them, you're like, man, they're a long ways apart from each other. How, how can their relationship ever be restored? And by the way, sometimes this has happened in your relationships, right? And sometimes it happens because of one big event, right? But oftentimes, how does it happen? Just little itty-bitty things, a little frustrated with Hayden, a little angry, a little disappointed, avoided him a little. Just kind of life goes on, and we kind of move away from somebody, don't we? It often happens that way, too. But regardless of the reason why you ended up separated and angry with somebody, here's just five steps that we see. And the first, and they're going to kind of hold up signs to help us, but I'm going to have both of you take one step towards me, okay? Here's step one. Step one is, can you hold the sign up there? Go. The thing is, when we've been wounded, oftentimes, what do we do? We don't go to the person, do we? We stay away from the person and, and we avoid them, and, and we think, well, I'm not even going to be around them. You know, with Jacob and Esau, 20 years of staying away. And every situation is different. Um, and God says to Jacob, hey, go back. Go back to Esau. You know how scared Jacob was? When he went back to Esau, um, imagine that. I'm Jacob, and you're my family. He's got this big family, this big clan all with him. Maybe not quite this big, but it was big. And he divides them in two. Do you know why? He said, hey, guys, listen. I'm going to go meet my brother Esau. Esau hates me, okay? It may not go well. Esau has a bunch of soldiers with him. So if Esau slashes me down, you all run that way, and you all run that way, because maybe he won't catch you both and kill you all. Like, you got to be thinking things are not going to go well to do that, right? And all of you guys are like, man, I better tie my, lace my shoes up. And you're like, I may not outrun Esau, but I can at least outrun him. And so I might make it and be safe there. And so everybody's trying to figure out that they can just survive. But we need to go. And sometimes somebody is so mad that you really do need to be away from them for just a little while. If right when Esau wanted to kill Jacob... Um, you know, Jacob went right to him, he would have probably been killed. You know, it was probably smart for him to be away at least for a little while. And so here's a little relationship tip. If you are married to someone and, 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 and someday you might be married to somebody and so if, if you and your wife have this big fight and like you guys are both so angry at each other and you know you need to talk about it, what might be smart is for you to say, Let's not talk right now. Let's, let's just um, cool down. I'm going to mow the yard, and like this evening, let's get together and talk. That's a, actually a little relationship tip. I give this to all of the couples for premarital counseling. You need to set the time so you know what's going to happen, but it may not need to be right at that very moment because the goal is to get back together, right, not just to unload on somebody else. So the, the first thing is to go, and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that if we are, Preparing to give our offering. So we're like getting ready for the the church service, and we realize I'm angry at somebody, or somebody's angry with me, that we drop everything and we go and we talk to that person right then. Have you ever tried to sing worship songs when you're ticked off at somebody? It's hard, isn't it? God says you get those relationships correct first. Matthew 18 says if someone sins against you, you go to them. The Bible warns us, go to them, not to everybody else. So if I'm angry with Peyton, I'm not supposed to just go around and be like, I'm so angry with Peyton right now and tell all of you that's called gossip. And the Bible says, don't you dare do that. That'll make everything worse. That'll, that'll put all of us against each other or all of us against Peyton or Peyton against all of us. It. it does all, this, all these destructive things. And so the first thing we have to do is to go. And if we don't go, Ephesians says, it'll give the devil a foothold. That's kind of a weird word, a foothold. It's almost like an army has a staging ground, a place where they get together and from there they can attack. So if, if Peyton is angry with Hayden and she's saying, I am so angry and I'm so mad and I'm not going to do anything about it, it's like she says to the devil, come on over, buddy. Do whatever you want to do to me. And the devil will make us bitter and angry and frustrated and mad. And we give the devil this staging ground, this foothold in our lives that can ruin us for so long. So we have to go. So I want everyone to imagine with me in your minds, the the very first step, just you're thinking of your feet, is to go. Everybody got it? First step is? You go. So we're going to kind of have some uh, actions here to help us uh, remember. So Hayden, you can put your sign down. And we're going to look at step number two. Take another step right here. So you're right here, Peyton, and you can pick that up. All right, Hayden, and you're just right here, hanging tight here. Thank you. You put the sign right there. So that's good. the The second step is to speak truth. You know, I think sometimes in the church, we think, Well, in the church, you're supposed to be nice, so I don't want to say anything. And that's actually not very helpful sometimes, right? Sometimes we do need to say something. We do need to speak and say, hey, there's a problem. Um, Do you remember the armor of God in Ephesians 6? What is the belt? It's the belt of truth. Okay, so I want everyone to grab your belt, or if you don't have a belt, pretend like you do. Wiggle it a, a little bit. Truth, truth. So the first step is to go... The second step is to speak truth, to speak truthfully, okay? And here's the thing. When you're in an argument, I, I'm sure that you've heard this before. Has somebody said something like this? They've said, well, you always argue with me. You never have been nice to me. She, she not one time has she ever picked up after herself, and we make exaggerations, don't we? We say always and never. And the person may be like, well, I've been mean to you 99% of the time, but there was that 1% of the time where I was really nice to you, okay? But it, an exaggeration is a lie. And when we are frustrated with somebody, we tend to lie. We're not truthful with them. And so if we want to be healed and restored to them, we have to speak truth every single time. When Jacob and Esau um, come back to talk, Jacob doesn't say, well, you were so mean to me, and you did this and that, but no, Jacob just honored the truth that I wronged you, my fault, just owning it, speaking the truth. Okay, so the first step is to go the second step is to speak truth. Okay, you can put your sign down. Take one more step. And the third step is to make it right. So I want everyone to take your right hand, stick it out in front of you, shake hands. Make it right, okay? So we got go, speak truth, make it right. Here's what I mean by make it right. When Jacob found Esau, he had a bunch of animals, and he said, I want you to take this flock. I want you to have these animals. It's a gift. It would be like you saying, hey, I wronged you so, so many years ago. I, I want you to have my car. Whoa, really? Why? Why did Jacob do that? Because when, when we try to make it right with somebody, then we are saying, hey, I messed up. I did you wrong, and, and I want to help make it right. And so, We have to make it right. Ephesians says that um, uh, we should quit stealing, and if you're stealing, quit stealing and start working so that you can help people. Make it right. Do the right things. Last week we talked about this terrible war that took place in Rwanda where millions of people were killed and houses were burned and all of this, and it was awful. And when, when that was over and villages were trying to get back together, they actually put in place this legal court system where the village would have elders who would decide what would happen. And if I had burned down your house, the village elders would say, if you want to be welcomed back to this community, you have to build back a house for this, the person. That's called restitution. It's called making it Right. And what happened in that was when I was building your house, I would, one, be thinking, boy, it would have sure been easier if I would not have burned down their house and had to build this new one. But actually, I would have all this guilt that I'd burned down your house. And if I could actually work and make it right, I might not feel as guilty anymore. I could actually feel like I was helping you, and I would actually start to love you as I served you. And in that whole country, they saw that work in village after village where People were making it right. And so if, um, if, if you were to wreck Peyton's bike, you should fix it, okay? That's, that, it's not rocket science. It's just common sense. Because if you don't, when she sees you, she's going to be like, oh, there's the kid that wrecked my bike. Now, she should, she should forgive you, but we're just thinking about what's right for you to do. And actually, when Jacob brought the animals to Esau, Esau is like, no, 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 don't bring them here. Jacob's like, yeah, you have to let me do this. Please let me do this. And so there's a part of restoring a relationship where you make it right. You can't make it perfect, but you try to do what you can. You try to make it right. And you don't demand that everybody else make it right exactly for you. We're just talking about when you've wronged somebody, you try to make it right for them. Okay, you can put that one down, and we're going to take one more step. Step number four is to be kind. Okay, so uh, here we go. You take a step and you go, and then you speak truth, you make it right, and you be kind. Everybody right here, to the heart. You be kind. Because here's the thing about truth. If you speak truth without being kind, nobody hears the truth. And in fact, you're not really even getting truth across. All you're doing is saying, I'm better than you. And you're trying to prove that you're right and they're wrong, and it's not really about bringing people together. And so while we speak truth, we also do it with kindness. Listen to Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only let come out of your mouth what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. We often tear people down. And God says, build people up with every word, with what you say. There's lots of words in Ephesians 4. Listen to these words. Kindness, compassionate, honesty, gentleness, patience, love. But there's also words like bitterness and rage. You know, one word, one mean word can be like dropping a bomb right here that blasts one person this way and one person that way. Just one word can separate us and divide us. And so we need to be kind. We're responsible for what we say. And if Peyton is fully committed to being kind, she can't control what the other person does. And that's not her responsibility. Her responsibility is to be kind, right? Every time, no matter what the other person has done. And our hearts are revealed here. If when you go to somebody and you speak to them with unkindness, it shows that you're really not all that interested in being restored to them. It shows that you're interested in proving you're better to them. So our hearts are revealed by kindness or unkindness in those moments. So Jacob devised this whole plan in which he could be kind to Esau, and Esau, in turn, said, no, I want to be kind to you. What happens when you have two people both being kind? You have them stepping together, don't you? It's a beautiful picture of what we see. Okay, so you can put your down, put, put that sign down. There's one more step here. The last step is forgiveness. So everybody, four fingers. Forgiveness, all right? I mean, it's not great, but it's okay. So <laughs> it's the best, this is the best you got with me. Okay, so let's, let's just go through these five steps real quick. If you have a relationship broken, you take a step and you go and you speak the truth. You make it right. You be kind, you forgive. And one reason I did kind of put my hand up there is forgiveness ultimately comes from the Lord. We can't we don't have enough forgiveness just within ourselves to make it right with everybody else. But if we understand that the Lord forgave us, then we can begin to forgive other people. Jesus said to forgive each other 70 times seven. So over and over and over and over again. But it may not be that this person is just being mean to us over and over and over again. It may mean the person did one bad thing a long time ago, and we keep remembering it. So we keep forgiving it. Every time we remember, we're like, nope, I've forgiven that person. Nope, I've forgiven that person. I'm not going to let that thought go any further. I've forgiven him. I've forgiven him. I've forgiven him. I'll keep forgiving them. And if we do that long enough, I don't know that we can perfectly forget, but I think sometimes God makes it a little bit cloudier of a memory, removes it from just consuming us all the time, and we can kind of release that. And I think it's a beautiful work that God does inside of us so it doesn't control us and dominate us. And so when Esau and Jacob finally come together, Jacob is scared for his life. He says, hey, you guys run this way. You run this way if Esau attacks me. And he goes to Esau to throw himself down before him and say, please forgive me. But you know what Esau does? He runs to him and he hugs him. Reminds me of another story called the prodigal son. When the son returns to the father thinking, I deserve all of this bad stuff. And the father runs to him and he hugs him. And it's possible for two people who are so far apart to come back together and have their relationship restored. So with Esau and Jacob, they had to go, they had to speak truth, they had to make it right, to be kind, and they forgave. And that restored their relationship. All right, would you give uh, Hayden and Peyton a hand? You guys can sit down. Good job. Thank you. I've been talking a lot about the first part of that verse, forgive. But the verse goes on, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we just have to keep going back to this truth that even if I'm here and you're way over there and you have wounded me and wounded me and hurt me and hurt me, you have not done that as much as I have done that to God. And God looks at me and he says, I forgive you, Brian, for all of your sins. I am perfect. I actually have the right to hold a grudge if I would want to. But God says, I won't. I will forgive you. And the only way that I can forgive you and for the people in my life and the only way that you can forgive me and the people in your life is if you recognize that God has forgiven you. And when we realize that, we're like, wow. God has forgiven me. If God has forgiven me, how can I hold anything against them? How can, how can I stay apart from them? How can I at least not try to come together? And it's true that you may take all of the right steps, and the other person may choose not to. And your relationship won't be fully restored. But it won't be from your disobedience. It'll be from theirs. And we leave that in God's hands. And God says, you take these steps... You take them whenever it's healthy, whenever it's good, and usually it is. You take these steps, and you can be restored to each other. And God says, but to be honest with you, the real work here is that I took steps to forgive you. I sent my son Jesus, perfect, to the earth to die on a cross to pay for your sins so that you can be restored to me. And that's forgiveness. That's the grace of God that he gives to us so that we can be restored to the greatest relationship we could possibly imagine and beyond. And when we are full of God's grace and forgiveness, it makes it not easy, but easier to forgive the people in our lives. And God wants us to forgive the people in our lives. I hope that you realize that the Bible is a great resource for life. How else... You, you can't get to forgiveness that really works without the resource of, without like the truth of the Bible. It's such a beautiful thing for us and you really can't do this without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and without the goodness of Jesus and God has given us those things because he wants us to be restored to him and he really wants us to be restored to each other and it's been my prayer that in leaving today some relationships will be restored. This sermon, I hope, is not in a vacuum and just out there somewhere else, but I hope it's in your heart and in your life, and you'll think through those relationships that have been broken apart, maybe just a little bit, and maybe you need to get in there and address it before it gets farther apart, but let's restore relationships. It's what God has called us to do, to be together and unified and one, and to be the church that God has called us to be. When we look around our world, there's a whole lot of fighting, and let's make sure that when the world looks at the church they see us together and loving, restored and reconciled with each other. And with that, we help people be reconciled and restored to God. And that applies to young and to old and to everyone here. This morning, if you would like someone to pray for you because you need to take these steps, we'll have some folks just right up here in the front, kind of in the middle. And we'd be glad to just privately talk with you and pray with you if you would like to visit with somebody afterwards today that would be fine we'll have people again that'll just kind of hang out up here you can call the office and we'd be glad to visit with you this week Uh, we want you to be restored in your relationships God has called us to that and most importantly he's called you to be restored to him and he's made all the steps to restore you would you stand up and let me pray for us God thank you that you took all the steps so that we could be restored. You could have stayed in heaven, but you went. And you are truth. You spoke truth to us, and you made things right. You had not even done anything wrong, but you made things right by dying on the cross for us. And you showed us such kindness that we never deserved, and you forgave us. And God, we want to be able to forgive other people as you have forgiven us. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.